Lord, we thank you for this family gathering, this, this reunion where we get together with our fellow brothers and sisters to sing uh, such wonderful, wonderful songs of praise unto you, um, yeah, to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we pray that um, as I go through these next however many minutes, hopefully not too long, uh, of, of your word, uh, pray that all of us, including myself, really starting from myself, would have the, the eyes to see and the ears to hear what you have in store for us today. Uh, may you speak, Lord, may you speak and may we listen. Um, in Christ's name, amen. Um, you guys can hear me okay? And, we're, okay. <clears throat> and hopefully I'm not having to clear my throat too much. You know, when you sing, like, and then. It's always great to have, like, a passionate song to sing to, and then, like, <clears throat> when you have to preach right after, you're, like, constantly clearing your throat. So hopefully it's not too much of a distraction. Um, I, I don't have a lot of memories, childhood memories, of eating out. Um, I just didn't have... <laughs> Uh, maybe some, some of you could can relate to that. But I do distinctly remember eating at this pizza buffet chain called Mr. Gaddy's. Is anyone familiar with Mr. Gaddy's? And over the always, I think it's like a Texas chain. I know they went bankrupt a few years back. They're back. There's some places in the South. Anyway, it's a pizza buffet chain. And my brother and I would get these coupons uh, to eat for free or at a discounted price. I, I forget exactly what it was, but it, we, we got this if you had perfect attendance. And so my parents made sure that we did not miss a day of school. Uh, it was our, it was our, I don't know if it was every quarter or a few times a year type of family occasion. Now, I don't remember a whole lot of like how the food tasted. I mean, I was in, I don't know, maybe seven, six years old. So I'm sure anything pizza tasted good. And, um, but I, I distinctly remember two aspects or two parts of this experience of eating at Mr. Gaddy's. One is how excited I was in anticipation of going to this buffet, standing in line, like waiting to get that first plate of food. And second was how sick I felt by the time I got to my dessert plate. And no matter how many times I experience it this way from eating too much, without fail, the next time I stood in line at Mr. Gaddy's or Golden Corral, which was the other high-end food establishment, um, I would get the same feeling of excitement as I looked at all the food options that were available and then leaving the place feeling sick. Now, in my... Uh, preparation for today's message, and I, I don't know exactly what I had Googled because Google has all the answers, but it, it had something to do with gluttony and drunkenness. I think it was like gluttons and drunkards, something like that. But and this is the first thing that I, I typed, and the first link that popped up was a clothing company called Gluttons and Drunkards. Now, I don't know anything about this company, um, who the owners are, how good their clothes is, so... I'm not speaking about the company itself. So saying nothing positive or negative about it. But I believe the existence of a company with such a name is just 
indicative of our times um, and how gluttony and drunkenness is not just something that is normalized, but even maybe promoted and celebrated. And while gluttony, the sin of gluttony is was, was certainly applicable during the times that the scriptures were written, which is why I believe the Bible has something to say to us today. Given the amount of options, uh, us are living in abundance and in excess, I believe it's more, uh, maybe even more uh, applicable today uh, in the subject matter that certainly needs to be talked about. Um, speaking about the normalization of gluttony and drunkenness, I remember the first time I heard the term food porn, um, not knowing what to make of it, like, uh, kind of feels weird to even say it, but it's a thing, but now it's just a, a, it's a hashtag. It's just hashtag that. I still feel weird about saying it. <laughs> um, Anyone know what mukbang is? Mukbang, familiar? Yeah, to you Gen Z uh, millennials, um, right? So it's and it's fascinating because mukbang is a it's a Korean thing. It means mongmen bangzong, which means like eating show or eating, yeah, video or whatever. And for you Gen Xers and uh, baby boomers, it's just eating food. Well, people watching other people eat food. And people get paid millions of dollars watching people eat enormous amounts of food. So that's the thing. Um, and this normalization of gluttony is not just around food. Uh, if, if those of you who have Netflix, if you open up the app, and hopefully not right now, but if, if you do, there's a category called binge-worthy TV shows. There's also a category called award-winning binge-worthy shows. So this, again, normalizing, celebrating, promoting, binging, overindulging is just all around us. Now, all my life, I have been on the rounder side. We can call it a husky boy. Um, and I've tried all sorts of diets over the years. Uh, most recently, I did the keto, if you guys are familiar with that. And I actually lost over 60 pounds. But yes, I gained all of it back, if not more, since. So let's just say I have a very complicated relationship with food. Um, so when I was tasked with having to preach on the subject of gluttony, I had mixed feelings. On one end, I was excited because I got to be able to study the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about food consumption and just food in general? But on the other end, to be honest with you, I, I was a bit anxious because that means that I had to face my gluttonous tendencies and possibly have to make some lifestyle changes based on the truth of Scripture. So I titled today's message as Fast and Feast. Fast and Feast. First, we're going to define what gluttony is. And then we're going to look at how gluttony is more than just a food or a health problem. It's actually a wisdom and ultimately a heart problem. And lastly, we'll look at how, um, how do we combat gluttony? You know, what's the solution? What are the, what are the remedies to gluttony? So first, let's define what gluttony is. What exactly is gluttony? Is it just eating too much food? Does it just apply to those who are overweight, however you define that? Does it apply to other areas in life other than food and drink? 
Defining gluttony was actually pretty challenging in my preparation because there's a, there's a little bit of a disconnect with how the scriptures define gluttony and how it's typically used in our everyday language today. So the word, the English word gluttony comes from the Latin word gluteer. I don't know, I don't know Latin, but something gluteer, glutired, you can correct me later if you know. But, but it means to swallow or to gulp down. So it makes sense that gluttony is mostly understood today as an overindulging, overconsumption of food or drink. But in the Hebrew, the word translated as gluttons or gluttonous, uh, and a quick side note, uh, at least in the ESV, and I checked several other translations, the word gluttony doesn't actually, is not, you almost find it in the Bible, uh, and in different, in many of the different translations. But that word that's translated as gluttons and gluttonous, as we see in the ESV at least, is the Hebrew word zalal, which only appears in the Old Testament a handful of times. And it's, it, it literally means to be thoughtless or rash. Um, to, to value something as insignificant or worthless, worthless, which then leads to the lavish, extravagant living and spending, um, the reckless living. So, yeah, an, an, over, an overweight person who consumes an, an excess amount of food on the regular could be a glutton, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they uh, struggle with the sin of gluttony. Uh, and, and biblically speaking, a glutton is more like the younger son in the parable of the prodigal son who squandered away his, his inheritance in reckless living. And so there is some commonalities, but there's a little bit of a disconnect. So how do we define gluttony then? Because um, it would be naive to think that the word zalal or gluttons or gluttonous, while it doesn't have anything to do with, explicitly have anything to do with food, given the context of its use, it does have to do something with consumption or eating food, right? So, um, and we see just in the book of Proverbs that the scriptures do talk about food consumption and the consequences of overindulging. So, the definition that I came up with, and hopefully it's at least semi-original, uh, is, is gluttony is mindless overconsumption without regard for God. Mindless overconsumption without regard for God. And that's my way of trying to define it in a way that doesn't compromise the biblical use of the word while still combining with how people typically use it today. And our main focus is going to be on food and alcohol, but as we'll see, gluttony is so much more than a food or even a health issue. It is really a wisdom issue and ultimately a heart issue. So how is gluttony a wisdom issue? Well, the obvious answer first is that the repeated overindulging of food or anything else doesn't make you feel good. And to do something that doesn't make you feel good doesn't really seem to be wise, um, especially if it doesn't lead to, I don't know, uh, some suffering for, for personal gain and such. Um, now, I, I know I, you know, in the introduction, I, ex I exposed myself of my uh, pizza buffet eating habits but I think it's safe to assume that everyone here, at least some point in their lives, and I won't say how recently, but everyone can identify with the experience of overconsuming food. Now let me be clear. I'm not talking about a, even a specific amount of food because depending on your size, whatever your metabolism rate, your, nutrition, your nutritional medical needs, that might vary by a large margin. So I'm not talking about the amount of food, but I am talking about eating to the point of at least feeling uncomfortable, 
maybe even sick. Maybe it leads to a trip to the bathroom. Maybe you don't quite make it to the bathroom. Like that type of sick. I think we, most of us, I think all of us can identify, identify with that experience. Now, in, in the beginning of our sermon series in the book of Proverbs, Pastor Mike talked about how we could and still can avoid a lot of the life issues today if we would just listen to God's word and his warnings in scripture. So let's look at Proverbs 25, verse 16. It says, if you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have fill of it and vomit. The NIV reads a little easier. It says, if you find honey, eat just enough, too much of it, and you will vomit. What about having one or two many drinks? Let's look at chapter 23. A little, a little past where, uh, Pastor Charles read, but in verses 31 through 34. Do not look at wine when it is red. When it sparkles in the cup, it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent, stings like an adder. The adder is like a, a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of the mass. When I think of lies down in the midst of the sea, or, yeah, it doesn't seem like a very stable situation. Um, I think it's, if you really try to visualize one who lies on the top of a mast, we're talking about someone that's planking on top of a mast in the middle of the sea. It's, it's unwise, not a very good decision. And I wouldn't even ask anyone here to, to raise their hand and to admit if they can identify with this experience, but I'm not proud to admit it. The sting from the serpent the, the feeling of this, this uncontrollable nausea as if you're on a boat that's rocking, that's in the middle of a storm. I know what it feels like, and it's, it's not a good feeling. And the sad thing is, if you look further down in verse 35, this is the drunkard still speaking. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. I must have another drink. I mean, this guy, after all that he's experienced, he's so disconnected with reality where he's, he's getting beat up, but he doesn't feel the blows or the pain. And the next thing he said is, when, when am I waking up so I can have another drink? It's amazing how we find ourselves mindlessly indulging in the same things over and over again. Those things that brought us such an unpleasant experience, we don't learn from the past. Just like the husky boy who excitedly wastes in the buffet line, we only find ourselves hunching over with stomach pains hours later. Anyone ever feel good leaving a buffet? I just feel good, like, ah, oh, it's a great meal, I'm just, just content. Or like, I don't know, pint of ice cream with a pan of brownies. I was talking to someone not too long ago about ice cream and cookies. Yeah, how do you feel the next day? What about after binge watching a show, you go through your, you, know, you go to Netflix and you watch a whole season of whatever. How do you feel at the end of the night? What about watching hours and hours of cable news? Do you ever catch yourself mindlessly scrolling through your phone? You don't even realize it 
until like someone actually says something or like bring you know kind of brings it to your attention. And then you ever try to justify your screen time with, oh, you know, I was just watching some, you know, pastor say something really profound and, theolo- and, and theological, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was really deep and uh, really helpful. And you say that because you don't want to feel bad about how much time you spend. Yet we find ourselves in that same place, in that same position over and over again. So it doesn't feel good. And this leads us to the other way how gluttony is unwise, and that it leads to poor decision-making. Let's go back to uh, Proverbs 23, verses 19 through 21, as Pastor Charles read for us. It's Proverbs 23, 19 through 21. Hear, my son, and be wise, and it's a matter of wisdom, and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters, gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. It says they will come to poverty. They'll be clothed. Slumber will clothe them with rags. Uh, in chapter, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 17 reads, Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but this is not a, hey, don't have, this is not a, uh, a warning against any form of, of pleasure. But I think it's more like a simple math. The more money you spend, the less money you're going to be left with. So the more money you spend on these things that you indulge with, indulge in, you're going to have left to spend on other things. The more time you spend on a particular thing, the less time you're going to have left over to spend on other things, potentially even more important things. The more your mind is consumed on this thing, the less mind space you have to think through or, or think about, ponder upon, about other things, again, potentially more significant matters. And the fact of the matter is that that thing that you overconsume is going to impact how you steward your God-given resources, and more often than not, it's going to have a negative impact. Speaking of negative impact and poor choices, let's go back to our good friend, the drunkard from chapter 23, says in verse 33, your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. You see the, the phrase seeing strange things. And yes, this could mean like not being able to see something clearly or, or maybe even hallucinating, seeing things that aren't there. Again, I will not confirm or deny that that has, I've experienced that, but that goes to show that that may be a, a, a possible interpretation of that. But also, I don't know if you guys remember the forbidden or the strange woman from Proverbs 2, Proverbs 5. That strange from strange things is the same strange or forbidden. In other words, this strange thing could be referring to the forbidden woman, which then makes me think, is there a connection with lust, sexual immorality? It reminds me of last week's text in chapter 25 when it says a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. The mindless overconsumption, the not exercising of self-control could potentially leave us in really vulnerable and defensive spots. We're susceptible to succumbing to those temptations, lust, and sexual immorality. 
and leading us down these paths of making really poor decisions that have some serious, serious ramifications. So gluttony is a wisdom problem because the person is led to make such illogical, unwise life choices. You continue to overconsume the things that consistently impact you negatively. We saw, right, leading to poverty, potentially, you're just not feeling good. Your sense of right and wrong is off, it's hazy at best, and you end up continuing to make poor decisions. And in the aftermath, you sit there, feeling all the negative consequences, and you tell yourself, why did I do that? Why did I learn from the last time, or the last hundred times? Like, what's, what's wrong with me? And, and in those moments, you're, you're overwhelmed with guilt, shame, regret. Again, you don't feel good physically even. But eventually, you find yourself back where you promise yourself you would never go again. The cycle, the destructive cycle continues. Why do we continue with such destructive behavior? Why do we struggle so much with gluttony and why do we have such a difficult time breaking out of these cycles? Well, it's because gluttony is not just a wisdom issue, it is ultimately a heart issue. Gluttony is a heart issue because it is a form of idolatry. Now, I define gluttony as a mindless overconsumption without regard for God. And gluttony is mindless, not only in the sense that you know, a person is doing something without giving much thought of their consequences or learning from their past behaviors, but it's also mindless in the sense that we're not mindful of God, who is the giver of all the good gifts we have. And so we make these good things, things that are not inherently evil, but we turn them into small g God things. And the reason why we keep repeating the mindless overconsumption is because we, we place our ultimate hope, rest, our strength in these things to meet a need that cannot be met. We make a very, very poor attempt to use these good gifts to do something that they were not meant to do. But because we have those cravings, those needs that are not met, not satisfied, those empty voids, or we hear the God-sized void that cannot be filled. And that's why we continue to search, and we continue in these destructive cycles. And that's why even when you see people, and maybe you even have that experience of going from one thing to another, and you could be an overconsumption of another thing because of whatever, maybe it doesn't make you feel as bad, or this thing got old, so you try something else. So you move on from different forms of gluttony. Brothers and sisters, we all have to look in the mirror and do an honest assessment of our gluttony. Now, I've tried to make this clear. The real question is not what you eat or even how much you eat. The question to ask is, why do you eat the things that you eat? And why do you eat as much as you eat? What causes you to consume that thing that much or that little? What, what causes that? What are the underlying issues that need to be addressed? What's, what's the, the, the pain or the trauma or, or the, the experiences from the past that 
you've put away that haven't been fully dealt with? Do you go to food, food to cope with stress? Are you a stress eater? What does all the shopping and scrolling through Amazon do for you? Do you overindulge in food and or alcohol to, to numb a pain or a hardship that you're going through? Or was it just a long week, so whatever that makes you feel good? Or is your life consumed with strict dieting and calorie counting because it gives you a sense of control? What about all the working out, the obsessive working out that you do? Are you concerned more with your waistline, the shape of your waistline, and actually I should be, but are you more concerned with that or the shape of your soul? The overconsumption of social media, we can take that in a lot of different directions. But what does it stem from? Is it just, is it to fill a void? Is there a fear that you're just uncomfortable with silence or the possibility of having to face something? Um, the getting stuck into this manufactured environment that gives you a false sense of connection when really you're in isolation? Why do you spend the hours upon hours on the websites and the podcasts and the blogs? Do you use them as resources to truly grow in your understanding and knowledge of God and love for his people? Or are they more a means to just dig deeper into whatever your theological, political, social position is? And are they actually more of a distraction? They get you off track more than you'd like to admit. Again, all these things, things that are not inherently evil, but we have to be honest with ourselves. Do we enjoy and steward these things well to the glory of God, or do they do we run back to them over and over again, these false small g gods? Keep going back to them when they never deliver. Um, Proverbs 28, verse 7 reads, The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. I'm also going to read this portion in Deuteronomy 21. This Deuteronomy 21, verses 19 through 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall, they, they shall say to the elders of his city, listen to this, this is, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. The initial, when you initially look at the pairing, back to Proverbs 28, the pairing of the son who keeps the law and the glutton who shames the father. I don't know about you, when I first looked at it, it seemed a little bit of an, an odd pairing. 
Like you would think it would be, you know, the glutton and some the, the prudent or, you know, someone that has self-control, right? But what, what's, what's up with the glutton and the one who keeps the law? Or, or here, the, the, the parents with the stubborn and rebellious son being called a, a, a glutton and a drunkard. But when we look at gluttony as a heart issue, as a matter of worship, then it makes sense. It makes sense that the parents with the stubborn and rebellious son would call their son a glutton and drunkard because his way of over-consuming or indulging, he's made life about himself. And he's wasted away his life as a result of self-gratification, not God-glorification. So before gluttony and drunkenness is an act or a lifestyle of rebellion against his parents, it's first and foremost an act of rebellion against God, which is why he deserves to be stoned to death. Gluttony is a heart issue because it is a worship issue. Ultimately, the glutton idolizes himself because his chief concern, whether that is just a moment or it's a lifestyle in general, the chief concern is to please himself and his actions indicate that not only does he have no regard for God as the gift giver, he has no regard for God as a holy and righteous God who is due our worship and complete submission and obedience. In other words, gluttony is an act of disobedience because it stems from sin and it continues to perpetuate sin. The irony of gluttony is that, if you guys remember from earlier, it's a result of make, making light of something or thinking that something is worthless, which is why you just overexpend, right? The, the, the prodigal son didn't think much of his father's inheritance, which is why he just wasted it away. But when we see the severity of the consequences of gluttony, we see that it's not something to be taken lightly. It's a very serious matter. It's a sin it's a sin that must be purged. So, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we're, we keep getting stuck in these cycles, the different forms of gluttony. And what's, what's the solution? What's the, what's the remedy? How do we break from them? The first remedy is to fast. And I'm not talking about a fasting that is a means of dieting or a cleansing method. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about intentional fasting or abstaining from something, more, more often than not food, that is paired with prayer. An emphasis on prayer. As John Piper defines it, fasting is, quote, a temporary renunciation of something that is in itself good, like food, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. So again, I don't know where you are in your health journey, but I believe a regular cadence of fasting, specifically from food, would be immensely beneficial to most of us, if not all of us. As we humble ourselves, we feel hunger, we, we hear the, the stomach grumbling, and are constantly reminded of how much we want to eat. Not only do we recognize how much our bodies are dependent on food, as a source of nourishment, but also how strong our desires are for pleasure. And again, good things. In addition, in our moments of, of weakness, lacking of strength, you know, you didn't get your coffee as your little pick-me-up, 
you get you get hangry again. I'm, again, it's not a real word, but right the 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 anger and the frustration that stems from low levels of sugar. Maybe it's more of a medical term. I don't know. But but that thing during those times, we pray and ask God for strength. We say, "You are my strength." We ask for endurance, for patience and kindness, and exercise all the fruit of the Spirit, which includes self-control. And outside of fasting from food, it would probably do a lot of good for us if we abstain from the other things that we over-consume for a period of time. Whether that be alcohol, spending money things on things that are not necessary, and most things that we have are not necessary. Social media, whatever other media, form of media, sports, TV, um, all the different apps that we get on, pretty much any form of entertainment, YouTube, yes, even the podcasts, blogs, websites that you go to, our hobbies, all, again, good things, but to let go of them, to put them to a side, to dedicate that time and energy to prayer and meditating on God's Word. And what we'll find is, for one, how much of our actual time goes into those things. And it's really not just time. It's time, it's money. Again, it's mind space. It's, it's, it's a, everything that goes into that. And two, again, how much our minds are consumed by thinking about those things and interacting with them. And three, it really gives us that opportunity to refocus, to do, to do a reset, to, to put these things that we mindlessly indulge in and overconsume in, we put them in the proper place. We say these are things that are to be enjoyed in moderation because they are good gifts that come from God, the gift giver. But for some of us, this kind of temporary or seasonal abstaining from something may lead to a permanent purging because you recognize that this is doing a lot more harm physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, communally, and so fasting is the first remedy to our battle against gluttony. The second remedy is to feast. This may sound, or this may be, a bit counterintuitive. Because the issue is, we're talking about over-consuming something, and I'm here throwing a dinner table back, you say, encouraging you to feast. So, so hear me out on this. I define gluttony as mindless overconsumption without regard for God. And hopefully I've been clear that the overconsuming or the food itself is not the issue, which means there is a proper way to enjoy all the gifts that come from God. In my, in my study, I came across this article by Christopher Asmus. He's a pastor in, in Minnesota. He wrote this article on gluttony and he writes this, quote, Gluttony reflects not an excessive enjoyment of food, but a deficient enjoyment of food as God's gift and of God as the giver. When you binge, the problem isn't that you're enjoying what you're eating too much. The problem is that you're not enjoying God in and through what you're eating. And therefore, you must have another bite. This is still him uh, his quote, For 10 years, I thought the way to overcome eating was to redouble my efforts to restrict. Surprisingly, 
I've learned that the best way to overcome overeating is to eat slowly, mindfully, worshipfully, end quote. So what does it mean? It means when you go home or to a restaurant or wherever that you're going to eat your lunch, enjoy your meal. And don't just say a quick prayer before the meal and you thank God for the food that you renew for everybody. Thank you in Jesus' name. And then to mindlessly eat, but continue to give Him thanks in the midst of your meal. That you would uh, thoroughly enjoy it, right? I don't know. People talk about, oh, the flavor. Yeah. Then like, just take in all the flavors and give thanks to God for giving us taste buds to, to taste it. And yeah, for the nourishment of our body. It's being mindful in your consumption of, of whatever it is that you're consuming. Yes, even football. For me, I guess even that's watching Texas lose to Alabama. Even that, I can, think, I can say thank you, God, for that brief moment of entertainment. Hopefully it doesn't lead me to despair, right? And, and, and you thoroughly enjoy it as a good gift from the gift giver. And be mindful that whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And really, we're talking about feasting. The, the most effective feasting that we can do is to feast on God's Word. The psalmist writes, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Isaiah chapter 55, God says to the prophet, Come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. Then later on in verse 3, he says, um, End of uh, verse 2 and, and verse 3. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. What's interesting is God doesn't promise of an abundance of food, an excess of food, drink, wealth, whatever. But he does call his children to come to listen to him diligently to incline their ears and to listen, to taste his word that is sweeter than honey. Proverbs 10.3 says that the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. 13.25 says the righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want. And so as we feast and meditate on God's word, as we taste and see that the Lord is good, as we taste his word that he says is sweeter than honey, we listen to his instruction. We keep his ways. He promises us that we will not go hungry. Instead, our cravings will be satisfied. Those voids will be filled. This question is, do we believe that? Do we believe that? Come to a close. The word glutton only appears twice in all the New Testament. It do, it's also not in any of those the, the list of sins that we see. We see drunkenness, but not gluttony. And the one time we see the pairing of gluttons and drunkards, as we see in, uh, in, in Proverbs in chapter 23, is when Jesus is falsely accused as a glutton and a drunkard. Why was he accused that way? Because he befriended tax collectors, sinners, and he refused to fast as the Pharisees expected him to. It is this Jesus 
who is the word of God. He said after fasting 40 days in the wilderness, what does he say? That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We see him feasting on God's word. And he does that as a means to not just resist the temptation of food, a good thing again, but all the kingdoms of the world. And he does it through the word of God. Even though we are the gluttons in all of its forms, in all the ways that we fall to gluttony, we are the wicked that deserve to suffer want. I think that's such a sobering verse. Like, you're going to suffer want. An unsatiated craving. But it's Jesus, the righteous one, who says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall not thirst. So the solution is not less food, less drink, less social media, less cable news, less YouTube. It's not less of that. It's more of Christ. It's more of feasting on Christ. He's the one who befriends the tax collectors and the sinners. That would be us. The rebellious and ridiculously stubborn sons who are the gluttons and drunkards. Again, that's us. We are the ones that shame the Father and are deserving to be stoned to death. Yet it is this Jesus who kept the law perfectly, lived the life that we could not live, died to death that we deserve, that we should have died. And for our sake, God made him sin, him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So what do we do? We, we run to the cross. We run to the cross. We pick up our crosses daily. We remind ourselves, we preach the gospel to ourselves. And we, we, we continue to put these good things in their proper place in light of who God is. The, the giver of good gifts. It's true, the fight against gluttony is a very challenging thing. And breaking out of these cycles, jumping from different small g gods, breaking out of that seems impossible. And time and time again, we find ourselves back at the buffet line like the husky boy, all excited, only to find ourselves crippled in discomfort, pain, full of regret, shame, and guilt. We're not just, we're not just feeling sick. We're feeling sick of ourselves, disgusted with ourselves. But there is now no condemnation. Brothers and sisters, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Only for those who are in Christ, those who have truly repented of their sin and believe in him, can be, will be, fully satisfied, and can break the cycle of gluttony through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to believe in that. We need to pray that God would help us in our unbelief in that. As we examine our gluttonous hearts, I pray that we would feast, that we would fast. And as we fast and letting go of these things or just going through a temporary season of abstaining from things, Thoroughly enjoying all the good gifts that God gave us in light of God being the, give, the giver of the gifts. As we grow in our knowledge and wisdom of God, our love for God, we can be confident that as the song goes, the things of earth 
will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. And I want to just, uh, I, I thought of this song uh, this last minute, and I even thought to making changes with, with, with the music team, but if we could all stand and sing this song, Turning Your Eyes Upon Jesus, you don't have to, no music, we just do acapella. The first verse, I think I have it on the screen. Oh, so are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at a Savior, and life for abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. pray. Father God, we would, may we help us to live in light of your glory and grace. Thank you for being a giver of good gifts. Lord, we need your spirit to help us to see that on the regular, that we would not run to things that aren't meant to be small G God things but things to be enjoyed in moderation. Lord, yeah, may, may your spirit um, lead us, guide us. Uh, pray that this, this word uh, today, I, I pray that uh, my brothers and sisters, again, including myself, would be able to take this and to look in the mirror and reflect, you know, what, what is it? Why do I do these things? And, and how much more am I, am I in need of the loving God? Be with us, Lord, as we continue to worship. Uh, as we saw, Lord, we, we, we want to, we've gathered here to worship you. And you deserve all the glory, the worship, and praise. So you help us do that right now. In Christ's name, amen.